We are now at September 24, 2017, uh, on the Book of Romans. Now, I have people who have written me letters recently. I got a lot of letters, obviously, about all of these things that are currently going on, especially the feast days of 2017. But I picked a couple out here um, because for obvious reasons. And they're applicable to today. It says, uh, Dear Pastor Chronister, to introduce myself, I am the mother of that wonderful creature you kn- known to you as Sherry from Illinois. She is the one who turned me on to you, and after watching one of your broadcasts, I asked her what was wrong with her. Laugh out loud. I told her, you irked me. I'm stupid, and you made me think, and that hurts my little brain. You and I have one thing in common. We fall off of things. In one of my other moments, I decided to stand on a chair in the garage because I was too lazy to get the ladder. When reaching up to get something from the rafters, I went over backwards and ended up in the hospital with a concussion. Okay, back to you. I now love watching your Bible lessons. See what happens? We, we can overcome them. And yes, I'm beginning to think outside the box, even though it is painful. Okay, that's one letter. Here's the other one that I got. Ode to Cliffside. To send the chicken or not to send the chicken are the deliriatorous effects of Cliffside. I barely say that word with my over-enlarged tongue. I would like to show my appreciation for the folks at beautiful downtown Cliffside. Like many others in the vast inner-turd audience, I didn't notice that before, by contributing to the buffet, we were also envious of chicken. Everybody loves chicken. I thought, I often hear mention of KFC surmising that it can only mean there is not a Popeye's in the vicinity. That's true. We do not have Popeye's. Did we have to? We had a Popeye's, right? Yeah, they, it was a dump and we shut it down. That's right. <laughs> oh, it's still there. Okay. It's over there off a of gamble in the crime district, isn't it? No, it's, it's, oh, they moved it, huh? Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know that. uh, Therefore, I thought to send you a bucket of Popeye's finest in order that you not feel so deprived on the earth. Send the chicken, I said, with the aforementioned thought. Don't send the chicken immediately followed, citing that fried chicken is bad for one's health. Send the chicken. Good health is merely the slowest rate of death one can achieve. Don't send the chicken. We need these great folks alive as long as possible. Send the chicken. There is no physical reality. Send the chicken. You've got to fuel the dying meat bag with something, even if it does kill you in the end. Don't send the chicken. Essentially, I would be an accomplice to murder. Send the chicken. Death by chicken ain't a bad way to go. Don't send the chicken. Martyrdom by Popeyes is reserved for only the most holy love you guys. Now, one, I read them because those were both very funny, as you could tell. Two, I wanted to prove something, because most of you assume what? that I write my own mail. You do. You say it all. There's no possibility. A real person wrote that. I give you envelopes. I give you handwriting analysis. You still don't believe me. You fake it, you tell me. That goes on in the Internet. It's all the way, all the time. So, today, I had an opportunity. Would the people that wrote those letters please stand up? (laughs) See? Real people. Now, I know you're going to say, oh, you just hired these people to pretend they wrote these letters. I got that. I really do. But they will testify on my behalf, won't you?
Uh-oh. Yes, one will. One will. One will not. So it could go either way. Okay. <sighs> Thankfully, that's not going on the Internet, so we'll be fine. So where was I? September 24, 2017, lecture discussion number 297 on the book of Romans. And we're in a fine mess. We have made Ollie again, deep into the labyrinth that is the literally true account of Samson. I'm going to make my box here. Which simultaneously contains portraits of Christ, as well as the nation of Israel. In other words, portraits of Christ is in Samson, portraits of Israel is in Samson, and I submit that portraits of the Antichrist is in Samson. So I believe I'm going to... Uh, make that case uh, over the next couple of weeks uh, as strongly as I can, that that is actually what is going on in Samson. Now, some do not agree with me as to that last part. I know, gasping, shocked face. But it's true. They that don't agree with me maintain the solution to Samson's dark saying, actually translated literally hard saying, or unknowable mystery. The solution to that, they will say to you, is good from evil. Our Genesis 50, oops, 20. Meaning that God has taken that meant for evil and has brought forth good. And I will concede that, that this is not only a biblical principle, it is in fact a biblical principle. It's throughout and certainly applicable because of its universality. Genesis 50:20. that is where Joseph says this and to his brothers, to the tribes of Israel that had delivered him. Let me make that point again, if I can spell. There we go. The other day I had trouble spelling delivered. I went home and fretted over my impending dementia. But Joseph, as you know, was delivered. He was raised out of, and he is bound in a pit, and he is given to the Ishmaelites. And that definitely corresponds to Samson, and ultimately it corresponds to crucifixion of Christ himself. So more on that to come. And so having said that, I do not think that good from evil is what is being taught in the riddle of Samson, even though it is everywhere in the Bible. I do not think that God brings forth good from evil, and that is the solution to Samson's riddle. To repeat, nonetheless, it's an underlying principle in Scripture, so I should expect to find it throughout. However, again, to repeat all of this, it's not the case in my opinion. It's not happening. It's not specifically attached to the bee honey from the dead lion. I don't think that case can be made. And I shall endeavor to make the counter case as we proceed proceed through Samson. As you know, I have been saying that the that the solution is Genesis three. I'm advocating for the Genesis three correlation to Samson, which means then the young lion, the young roaring devourer that comes out suddenly seeking to kill Samson cannot be Jesus Christ. One of the names of Jesus Christ, he has many names, but one of them is the Ancient of Days. The other one, of course, that most people are familiar with is the I Am. He says he is the I Am relentlessly. 
Well, both of those, he, the young lion cannot be the ancient of days because the ancient of days is a reference to being the creator of time. And therefore, the one who is outside of time, as is the I am, always in the present, looking at time simultaneously, before time, the creator of time. Let's ask a question just for fun. How did he create time? Think of time as a created entity. It is. But what's the evidence that it is created? I guess would be a better way to frame it. Christ is not the young lion. that is easily torn to pieces. Omnipotence cannot be torn to pieces. Please. I submit that it's obviously not Christ. And again, many disagree with me. They see the bee honey as resurrection. The death of the lion produces the sweetness of resurrection. You heard me say this a couple of weeks ago. And I look at that and go, really? The bees are opportunistic in this story. They attach themselves to a decaying corpse. Oops. The the decaying corpse of a lion in this case. It carries with it a connotation of parasitic action, not servanthood, not sacrifice, not substitution. Just ask the first question. When you see something in a decaying corpse... Did the body of Christ go into consuming, decaying corruption? Yes or no? It did not. How do you make then a decaying corpse of a lion to be representative of the body of Christ or the death of Christ in any way? Did the body of Christ go into a consuming, decaying corruption and then become occupied and possessed by a swarm of something? doesn't fit. I'm saying to you that 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 starts to eliminate the good from evil problem. Whoops. I'll let you keep Genesis 5.20 or 50.20 because it's valuable to you. But I don't think that it applies to the riddle. So if the roaring young lion easily slain, is Christ going to be easily slain? No, it's the most impossible thing imaginable, the death of Christ. He has to do it himself. It's not possible to slay him. He would not have typology or portrait of that anywhere. And we'll disagree and we'll battle over that as they send in their letters. But he would not be killed or slain easily without effort (coughs) by a Nazarite, which is Samson. And if this is not Christ, and Christ is clearly the Nazarite, he's the Nazarene in this particular uh, portrayal. He's the one killing the lion then the choices quickly coalesce around the Antichrist himself. And thus the obvious question begins, what about the death of the Antichrist is relatable to bee honey? As opposed to date honey or fig honey. A swarm that comes forth, a sweetness that comes out of a dead body. Not dates, not figs, but from a swarm. What is sweet about the death of the Antichrist. And the Antichrist dies a lot. He should be used to it. Or he's going to be. Revelation 13, 3 through 4. And I got a letter, somebody, I get a lot of them, they tell me, he that is not the death of the Antichrist. That is the world marveling over the resurrection of the Roman Empire. 
Is the world going to marvel over the resurrection of the Roman Empire? No. They're not, are they going to worship Satan because the Roman Empire came back? Give me a break. That is meant to be literally true, and the words used there are the same words mortally slain as the same words used of Christ. It is not allegorical. It is specific to a person. Now, it also may have some aspects to the final empire, but I'm going to tell you first and foremost, it's a human being. So you have the slain of the Antichrist in Revelation 13.4, and then again you have him slain by Christ in 2 Thessalonians 2.8 or Revelation 19.19-21. All of these, the deaths of the Antichrist, all of these end up with the same question. What is the sweet thing that comes out of the death of the Antichrist? I think you're back here. Some might want to add Acts 1, 18 through 25. That is the death of Judas. And uh, But most aren't going to do that. They're not going to go also to John 13, 26. Those that do that Come to cliffside. That's half a joke, but really true. When you start uh, putting uh, Acts 1, 18 through 25 and John 13, 26 through 27 into the sphere that is the Antichrist, uh, then you have, you have moved on to a different level, I think. Anyway, honey and swarm of bees is going to have to be solved and then placed alongside of Genesis 3. If I'm right, I've got to get the honey bees I'm going to get the honey, or the bee honey, and the swarm over here. And I think I can. I don't think it fits in, in the crucifixion of Christ in any place. Good meant for, or evil meant, that which was meant for evil, God changes to good. I don't think that's there. Okay, last Sunday, which supposedly was uh, lecture 296, maybe. Who can know the actual number? That's a rhetorical question. It implies the answer is unknowable. That is a Samson joke. Okay. We begin today to work our way through the components of Samson's riddle and the aftermath of that. And I want you to see the order of Samson. And I'm going to try to make you... Let me put it this way. The order of Samson must be established and then held sacrosanct. By this, I mean you should possess the sequence as much as you can, understand this order that is there of the account of Samson, and comprehend the implications that come from that sequence. Know what, know when, know why. If, if you can do that, I got asked earlier by one of the letter writers, how, how do I, this is an inductive reasoning process that I'm putting before you, how do, we, how do you go about this? Well, first you, you look at the order of things. Know what? This is the order. Know when the order went and then figure out why it's in that order, why things happen the way they did. It, there's an anatomy, a step-by-step. The particular elements have been selected out, in this case, by, in the Bible, all of them have, by the Holy Spirit. And in this particular case, the Holy Spirit used Samuel to preserve them in Scripture, in Judges. Judges means deliverers. I 
I think we have to pause for a brief moment. Nope, it's not the brisket, it's just more of my family. <laughs> it's okay, I get the dividend checks. Oops, I don't. The governor of this state confiscated all of them. So, so who doesn't hate this man? I, I just don't know, I don't get it. <laughs> I entered into local politics. How often do I do that? He deserves it. And these elements that are in Judges, which means deliverers, saviors. So there are 12 of these people in the book of Judges, and they're identified as deliverers, as saviors. That tells you immediately who they are representative of. So you have a savior that tears a lion apart. So the Holy Spirit used Samuel to preserve them in Scripture and to put them in the order that they are in. I believe they are chronological, but Samson selects them out. I'm sorry, Samuel selects them out. Samson obviously did many, many other things. So did Christ. These are the ones that God himself put in his book for us. These are those which God chose. It is for us to ask, why did he pick these? Why did he pick these? He could have picked anything that Samson did. This is what he picked. What made him pick this one? Go ahead, answer the question. I'll I'll wait. Let the record show no one raised their hand here once again because they're all properly trained. The reason that God selected these out is because they portray himself. They are portraits of him. They teach you about God. They teach you about Christ, who is God. That's why they're there. Search the scriptures. They portray me. It's what he said. They testify of me. And they're here because these are ones that have significant value. All of them do, but they all are pieces that you put together that you assimilate. So God chose these for us. Ask why. Why these? Why this order? Which is what this is why we will, in our usual custom, make a list. You have to, I think. You know I do it all the time. And I do it because everyone loves some lists. By everyone, I mean nobody. But that's the reason I do it to you. It's one, it's punishment. Two, it starts to put the order into place for you. And then while I'm putting the order into place, you can start to say to yourself, okay, this is the time sequence this happened, and it has a cause and effect foundation to it. And hopefully you have some remembrance from last Sunday. That's more of a joke than anything, because I know you don't. But let's... This is essentially chapter 14 and 15 uh, of Judges, but it's not entirely that. It's not comprehensively that, but enough. it's enough to get us going. So here we go. We're going to start with Samson chooses a bride. And it happens to be a Philistine. And I put bride right here because I'm going to run out of space got a bunch of these. And his father and mother and Samson all travel. They start to make a pilgrimage, if you will. Off they go. They travel in order to go to where the Philistine bride is. 
and a young lion. They're going to prepare for the wedding ceremony. So I have Samson, who's a savior, going to choose a bride and prepare a wedding ceremony. Okay, where are we now? But a young lion comes out, and a young lion is torn easily to pieces, and we have bees and uh, that are a swarm, a bee swarm, and we have bee honey. So far, that's our order. And then we have a wedding feast. I'm going to just go wedding feast, and it's seven days. Okay, all sevens go back to the first seven. So the first seven is the creation seven. I have the crucifixion seven. I have sevens all over the Bible. They all interrelate. So I better know my sevens and figure out which seven this seven is the seven of. Does that make sense? I doubt it. Nonetheless, it will later in the evening when you're asleep. Thirty companions are there. There's thirty companions. We covered a little bit of this last week. Those are not good friends of his, even though they're called their friends. And there's this wager that occurs, a riddle, a dark saying, a difficult, unknowable question. And these, this wager occurs, and it's for 30 and 30 linens and embroidered robes. Remember all that work that we did on the ephod and the undergarments of the priests in Exodus 38, I believe? Well, here it comes again. Just in case you think, I do not have a plan. So, what did I do? Okay. I put those together. Let me put it, uh, let me add this. These robes, let me get the robes out of here and put them down here. They're called festal or festival robes. Now, that means they are what? I get this. I'll be out back in a moment. If they're festal robes, what are they? Start thinking to yourself. Or festal garments. Again, this riddle, this dark saying, mysterious, unknowable. Repeating it, saying, is presented to them. And three days pass. Okay, that is clearly Jonah. Three days, three nights. But it can also be the first three days of the crucifixion. It can be lots of things. We have to figure out why. And then I have the fourth day. Something extraordinary happens. That is the day the bride comes to the husband. And after she is threatened. The bride has been threatened now. Threatened with death. Death. Not just any death. Burning death. They're going to burn her. Why burning? Who burns people in this particular time? Why do you get burned here? Of all the kinds of deaths, this is the most interesting one. I would say, I would submit to you. And the bride weeps on Samson. Bride weeps on Adam. Oops, sorry. No, not really. Fake sorry. 
So I have a bride, a woman faced with burning death, breeding, um, weeping, sobbing on her husband-to-be in this case, but on her husband in the other cases. Uh, and I, say to, I said to you last week that she started weeping immediately, weeping on the first day. So in other words, as soon as he gave this wager to the, to the 30 companions, the friends of the bride that were provided by the bride's father, as soon as he gave that riddle to them, she knew she was going to die, and she begins weeping on him to try to save her. She comes to him for salvation from her burning death that she cannot avoid now. And it's not only for her, she's going to be burned, but her entire family burned. Father is specifically mentioned, household of the family. Okay, and then she says, you only hate me, you only hate me, is her accusation to Samson. And then father and mother, Samson says back to her, I have not told my father and mother. They're excluded from the solution. Why should I tell you? The bride is excluded. So, the deliverer, the Savior, has a mysterious secret. He does not tell the father or the mother, and he does not tell the bride the solution to that. Samson, though, saves the bride on the seventh day. Of the seven days, he waits until the seventh day to save her. Who is she? Who is Samson? How is this a portrayal of Christ? And why is it in this order? This is the order. The reason that Samson is going someplace is because he's chosen a bride. On his way there, he is attacked. He kills a lion. He goes there... um, or actually, I'm leaving out the part where he comes back and sees the bee. He gives the bee honey to his father and mother. But eventually, we get to a wedding feast in the Philistine-held city. And it's a seven-day feast. So again, not comprehensive, but I'm just pulling out as much as I can to, to do today. Okay, so Samson not just saves the bride, but he also saves the entire household. And I missed something. At this point, okay, what did I do? I already covered it. I did good. I'm going to skip here to where it matches my list now. And he saves her, and she, I'm going to call it P as well again. She, the bride, reveals the solution. To the Philistines. So now they have the answer, or they think they do. And then they say back that they say the answer is, what is sweeter than bee honey? Now you know the answer to that, right? What is, what is sweeter than bee honey? Of course, aspartame. Everybody knows that. What is stronger than a lion? 
What is stronger than a lion? How is this the solution? Is there lots of things that are sweeter than bee honey? Lots of things are. Are there lots of things stronger than a lion? Absolutely they are. How many lions does it take to kill an elephant? Lots of lions. You've watched all that stuff on YouTube. You're watching it now, some of you. Thank you for laughing. My goodness, that's one of the loudest laughs of the week. I was really good. That might have even got into the... Anyway, ultimately, he says to them, if you had not plowed with my heifer, what in the heck is that? Who hooks a plow up to a cow? Some of you, if Bill the Fast was here today, he would say of all of his farming experience, I doubt he's ever seen a plow hooked to a cow. I know it's done, but it's not very common. He says, if you hadn't plowed with my heifer, you would not have solved my uh, riddle. No solving. So the fact that you hooked, the fact that you hooked a, a plow to the heifer, that implies somehow that they did not solve it or could not have solved it. And then now Samson goes along and he kills 30 men 25 miles away in Ashkelon. He takes their garments, strips them, Now, I have the Savior of Israel stripping the garments off of the enemies of Israel. That's what I've got. So begin to put that into your uh, cause and effect list. And his bride then is given to the 30 companions. Give me W over here. The bride is given to the leader of the 30 companions by her father. That's where we're going to stop for today. Now, there's a whole lot more. I'm just barely getting into this here. And we'll stop right there again with the listing, with the assumption that all of you know, which includes the vast Internet audience, all of you recognize the cause and effect of the list. What You only hate me, he answers, father, mother excluded, and therefore I excluded you. But he does save her on the seventh day. Why does he wait seven days? The bride reveals the solution. Well, that's obvious. He reveals the solution because he finally gave her the solution. What is the answer? Is it sweeter than honey? Is it stronger than a lion? What is this plow heifer stuff? All of this goes in order. She's weeping because he gives a riddle back here. He's got 30 companions because he's coming to the Philistine territory. The 30 companions are given by the father of the bride. This is the second time the father does this. He gives Samson 30 companions and he gives the bride to the leader of the 30 companions. Those are really odd behaviors. So you start to say to yourself, how is all of this happening? So, uh, I, again, I want you to recognize the traceability of this to the, the items that happened to, before it. And the, and the list keeps being a list. Does that make sense? Probably not all of the way through to the end of the, the account of Samson. For example, next, Samson now comes after he kills 30 people and the bride is given. Samson comes and with a goat. He's coming with a goat because he killed 30 men who were 25 miles away. That's why he comes with a goat. 
But the bride's been given to somebody else. He comes with a goat to give to the father of the bride, a man he has saved from a burning death. But the father lies. Write that on there. Father lies. The father of the bride, of the Philistine bride, who has possession, the father who has possession lies to Samson. See, that's a bunch of questions, doesn't it? Why, why did he give Samson's bride to the man who intended to burn the bride alive in the first place back here? Who does that? That's what he did. I have a bride. I have a daughter. I do. She's still awake. She's hoping for brisket. It hasn't showed up yet because Uncle Matt is lost out there somewhere. Can't Did you find him? Is he here? Okay. Yay! The brisket has come. We can now shut down the service. We're in good shape. Anyway, I have a beautiful daughter. And am I going to give her to a man that has threatened to burn her alive? Or I'm going to give her to the guy that saved her? I had to do this already. I gave it to the I gave her to the guy that saved her. That's what I did. It's easy. I'm not going to give her to somebody who's going to hurt her. Find somebody that isn't going to hurt her. But that's what not what this father did. This father gave his daughter to somebody who intended to kill her. Why would he do this? And then why would he lie about it? And notice again, I said he lied. He is the father of a lie. Is what he is. Isn't that interesting? And so we're going to read that again. How's my time? Doing good. This is a difficult day for me today. One, the brisket was late. I'm under tremendous stress because of that. I keep repeating that. Two, I had to play the banjo. Uh, grief. And I got visitors. Can't get any worse than this. I mean, this is pretty doggone bad. <laughs> okay, here we go. Judges 15, 1 through 18 again. After a while, in the time of wheat harvest, so that's May, April, May. Okay, it happened that Samson visited his wife with a young goat. So he's bringing a young goat as a gift, isn't he? And he said, let me go into my wife and to her room. But the father would not permit him to go into the room. Her father said, I really thought that you thoroughly hated her. Did he really think that? Do you think he thought that? Samson saved them all. Therefore, I gave her to your companion. Who's the companion? If you want to think of it, the best man. Who's the best man? The best man is the guy that's leading the 30 guys that is going to kill the daughter and the father and burn them all to death. I gave him to her. Then he says, is not her younger sister better than her? Who believes that the younger sister is better? Careful. Might be safe to do that for some of you today. Usually it's the case. Never mind. (laughs) Is not her younger sister better than she? Please take her instead. And Samson said to them. Who is the them? Figure out who them is. 
Who's there? Look, you got Samson. Samson kills 30 guys. You're saying you can't go in there. How are you going to stop him? He said, no, I gave her to your best man. And Samson said, to them, this time I shall be blameless regarding the Philistines if I kill them. Then Samson went and caught 300 jackals or foxes. That, that's up to some discussion. And he took torches, turned the, <coughs> excuse me, the foxes tail to tail, put a torch between each of the tails. Then he set the torches on fire. He let the foxes go into the standing grain of the Philistines. Standing grain means it had been harvested. Essentially, it's all, it's dried out. It's ready to, to take to uh, storage or it's ready to be milled. It's all bundled up. He let those foxes go right into that dried out grain and burned up the shocks and the standing grain. There's some standing grain as well as the vineyards and the olive groves. He wipes out the entire food supply, agricultural system, of the Philistines. They are all going to starve to death. That's his plan. And he's doing it. Why is he doing it? Because the father gave the bride to the best man. That's why. And he says, I'm blameless. I'm going to kill Philistines by the tens of thousands. I'm going to starve them to death. He's literally going to kill them and he's going to kill them slow. And he's blameless. What's his logic? Then the Philistines said, Who has done this? And they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. They say, when they asked, Who burned up our grain? They said, Samson burned up the grain. Why did he burn up the grain? Because the father, who lied to him, gave his bride to the companion leader. Samson said to them, Since you would... Oh, and they answered, Samson, the son-in-law of the Timnite, because he has taken his wife and given her to his companion. So the Philistines came up and burned her and her father with fire. Who did the Philistines blame first? Her and the father burned them. So the, and you can guess that the leader is part of the burning party, right? And Samson said to them, since you have done this, and there is the done this, that you see in Genesis 3. Because you have done this, I'm going to kill everybody. So, my whole point here is that Samson always knew his bride was in grave danger from the very beginning. You see, it all starts with the 30 companions hired by the father of the bride. you got to ask yourself, why is he doing this? These are likely, I think indisputably, Philistine soldiers. Traditionally, the 30 companions, their role is to honor the wedding. But these are soldiers. They're sent to guard and to spy and observe and attack and kill if given an opportunity. How much do they know about Samson to this point? Not very much. They know he's a Jew, come for a Philistine bride, they know he has a tremendous amount of capability, but they really don't have a full understanding of who he is yet and what he can do. Who's, who sent these guys? The father calls for them, but who sent them? 
Samson was fully aware of their identity as soon as he saw them. He knew they were Philistine soldiers. Here, Samson, here's your 30 companions, friends of the bride, except they're Philistine soldiers who are going to try to kill you. Because that's what we do. They knew he was a Nazarite. They knew what his uh, what the prophecy was about him. These are the kinds of things that people know in these regions. There was no YouTube or TV or what do you guys got? Uh, smartphones. <sighs> Let me talk about whether or not they're really smart for a second. Are the phones smart? No, I, I don't think so. I'm going to argue. They're inanimate. They don't produce much uh, uh, much evidence of their smartness if they are smart. I couldn't imagine teaching the public schools today. You know what I'd do today? It would be really horrible because I would be throwing away phones all the time. And I would enjoy it a lot. Those things cost thousands of dollars now, don't they? So I probably would pretend to sell them. I'm sorry. Not really, fake sorry. But I would pretend to throw them away. I used to throw away gum. People would bring Diet Coke into my classes. I couldn't believe it. What could cause it? And I would pretend to throw their Diet Cokes away. It was a wonderful concept that I had. Anyway, you would think they would appreciate me after all these years and do a better job of funding us, but it's not working. Back to this. Imagine the tension, the situation. This is a wedding feast. It's literally in the Bible described as a drinking party. And Samson is fully capable of killing all 30 Philistines, and the Philistines are trying to kill him. Thank you. I've got the time. Thank you. So ask all of this. Why did the father of the bride set this up this way? What was his reasoning? Did he anticipate that bringing in this soldier contingent would end in the death of somebody? Who was he trying to kill? Was the primary force... Or an over, was he the primary reasoning force on all of this, or is he just an overwhelmed pawn in it? How much money could be gained if one delivered Samson? You're going to see this a lot. Samson is surrounded a lot. Who else is surrounded in the Bible? Who else does an army come for? Eventually, an army comes for Samson. Literally, an army. And what does he do to the army? It isn't good for the army. The army that came for Christ were all knocked to their faces and unable to move. You start to begin to see what's building here. Did the father of the bride have any idea what he was doing? Is he, is he an active member of this plot, if you will? Or is he an unwitting pawn that just gets caught up with it and, and ultimately killed because um, it failed? It may seem from this point that the lecture becomes disjointed. I know. Who can tell? I know. I'm suggesting it's going to be worse than normal, normal being a relative term. Last Sunday, I ended with uh, Samson killing 30 men and taking their garments in Ascalon, 25 miles away. And I want you to connect that to Samson's reason for his riddle. Why does Samson give them a riddle? Is it who's got the best riddle day? No, he's surrounded by 30 guys who have been sent there. And he goes to Ascalon, 25 miles away. Is he just 
I think I'll go for a walk. Oh, here's Ashkelon. I'll go kill some guys. Obviously, there's connectivity between the riddle and the people in Ashkelon and the 30 companions and the 30 people who have these garments. So connect it all as best you can. Obviously, when 30 soldiers showed up pretending to be wedding participants, Samson knows immediately that he is vulnerable. He knows immediately. Imagine that, that I'm having a wedding and, and, uh, or I'm officiating a wedding and, and 30 MS-13 Guatemalan gang members show up. I know, wait a second, we got problems. Uh, that's just basic logic. Samson is aware. And his father and mother are there. And his bride is there. How's he get out of this? What does he want to do? Does he want to show them who he is? I submit he doesn't. He's waiting to show them who he is. I submit that Samson, though, saw a trap being set. And by the way, who does he blame? Who does he blame? To repeat, I'm, I'm, I'm connecting Samson to Genesis 3. Adam is not deceived. So I'm taking the position that Samson is not deceived. I'm taking the position that Samson is a, is a brilliant intellect. Not to the level of Adam, but he's certainly very, very smart man. He's a Nazarite. Adam was the target of Satan who attacks the bride of Adam as a means of killing Adam. Samson not deceived. Samson being in the same position. Samson's bride is placed in grave jeopardy. What is his countermeasure? What is his strategy to extricate himself? What is it? What does he do? What's his plan now? As soon as he sees this, he makes a decision to do something. What is it that he makes a decision to do? To present an unknowable saying or a riddle to them. That's the reason for the riddle. He recognizes that his bride is in, uh, in, in, under threat of death. And how does this riddle gain an advantage for Samson? What's the first thing you can say? As soon as he gives the riddle, what's he get? He gets seven days. That's right. Wonderfully thought. He's got seven days of time now. It occupies them completely. Ask another question. If the 30 Philistines had simply forfeited or conceded, could they have paid? Why does it matter to them? But could they have paid? Obviously, no. They had no linen garments, no festal, elaborate, embroidered garments. Who has this kind of clothing? If the 30 Philistines had to get these clothes, where would they get them? How would they get them? Would they, would they even know where to go? Yes, they do know where to go. They know what the clothing is. They wanted the clothing really badly. This is how Samson outwits them so easily. It's the riddle, and it is the wager of the riddle. It extricates his wife and the father ultimately. How did he do it? He presents something that cannot be solved. Why did they even enter these 30 Philistines into the riddle wagers? We used to call this, and, and again, I'll, I'll, um, I'll reveal some of my misbegotten past. When you got into a pool game and you didn't have any money, and you're surrounded by the friends of the other guy, and he wants to bet $10, and you don't have $10. You call that shooting an air ball in that business. 
That's that's when there's pressure. There's no pressure. If I'm standing over a putt and I make it, I get a million dollars. If I miss it, I get half a million dollars. That's not pressure. Pressure is when you're surrounded by 15 guys that don't like you in the first place because they think you're hustling their friends and you don't have $10 and you bet $10. That's pressure. That's when the yips come. These guys didn't have any garments. Samson didn't have any garments. I had two guys shooting air balls, except one guy can get the garments and the others cannot. Why do they enter into a wager? Well, one, they wanted the garments. Two, they were positive they could solve it. All they had to do, try to solve it themselves. If they can't, kill the bride. So Samson really got three days, didn't he? Put him into a stalling situation. What did he do in those three days? Did he sit there? He's got a father, a mother, and a bride. He doesn't want to reveal himself. Samson certainly knew where the garments could be found. He knew who wore these things and how to procure them. They are priests. Exodus 28, 4 through 5. They're all priests in this case. They're Ascalon priests. And at this time, the Philistine nation was ruled by five cities, and each city had a ruler. So they, they had a system of governance that was really quite sophisticated. They didn't have a single ruler, but they had five cities, and each city had a ruler. These five cities, these five rulers, this comes up again later, Judges 16.5, when they bribed Delilah. These five rulers, these five kings, if you want to think of them that way, but they're mostly like five individual presidents of individual regions. And they worked together. So it's a very good organization. And the, and the cities were Ashdod, Gaza, you might remember that name or recognize it, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron. As an aside, Ashdod is the place of the Anakim. The Anakim were Nephilim. Gath is the city of Goliath. Goliath was an Ephilim. Anyway, Ashkelon is one of these five cities of the Philistines. And Ashkelon had lots of men who wore these garments. Samson knew this was so, as did the 30 hired companions. They're 25 miles away. Thus, the obvious conclusion, the 30 Ashkelon men were involved in the wedding trap. Samson immediately knew that they were. I was telling people who have come from many miles away bearing very few gifts, I would say that. Last visitors we had brought gifts. I'm just wanting to let you know what the competition is like. But how come we have no more visitors, you're asking, right? What happens to them? They run for their lives is what they do anyway. Samson connected this. I was telling these folks um, that the Jewish mind is different than ours. He's looking at these soldiers and he's immediately figuring out what's going on, where they came from, who they are, what they're going to do. What what, he is way out here and they're way back here. That's what's happened here. Not a deceived man. Don't think of him as a fool. He is not a moral man, but he is not a fool. So how did he assign this blame so quickly? You see, why didn't Samson just kill the 30 friends of the bridegrooms? He doesn't. He could have. He didn't want to reveal that. Why not? 
Instead, he travels 25 miles to Ascalon and slaughters 30 rich priests. That's what he does. And Samson targets these Ascalon priests. Obviously, the 30 rich ruling Baal priests are the source of the plan. He knows it immediately. How does he know it immediately that these guys are in charge of this? Because they're going to burn the bride. He knows who burns brides and why they burn them. Why they didn't just kill the bride. Hey, we're going to stab you. No, they're going to burn her. She weeps. She knows what this means. She's going to be a human sacrifice in a religious ceremony. So he travels 25 miles to Ashkelon and slaughters all 30 rich priests. He targets those priests. Obviously, the 30 rich ruling by all priests, he believes, are the source of the plan, and I think, therefore, we should assume they are. And they wear these garments, and that's two important considerations here now. Why didn't he just renege on the deal? He could have just said, hey, you didn't really solve it. Uh, you had to cheat, so deal's off. Why didn't he do that? Well, they killed the bride. He knows they would. That's an excuse to kill the bride because they're going to say, we didn't, uh, we didn't cheat. We didn't hear the bride and you're accusing us of cheating. So you don't give us stuff, we're going to kill the bride because we have to kill the bride to prove that we're innocent of cheating. So he would know that. So he wouldn't even ask the question, would he? I get this an awful lot. Why doesn't God put these things in? Well, the people that wrote this, Samuel, Samuel believes that you are intuitive. Samuel believes that you are intelligent, reasoning people, that God will help you figure it out, which God does. He refused to insult you. The whole Bible is written that way. The Philistines did not solve the riddle. I'll make that case in the coming uh, week. Samson allows them to prevail as if they are due the spoil. He says, if you would not placed my heifer, my cow into a plow, you would not have solved my riddle. If you hadn't threatened to kill my bride, you'd never have solved it. We both know that. In any event, Samson is allowed to leave. That's really amazing because he must have told them, okay, you have won. I'm going to go retrieve the linens for you. What does he do? He gets more time now, doesn't he? What does he do with that time? He goes 25 miles. I'm going to have to go 25 miles. They probably assumed something. Why did they let him go? Do they know what he intends? I don't believe they do. Probably not. They must have believed Samson would bring back Israeli garments. And they do not harm Samson's wife or his parents in the interim. I suspect his parents may run for it. And Samson returns now with the blood-soaked garments of Ashkelon ruling class. And he gives this to the 30 companion soldiers. I'm hoping there are name tags in them. And I'm hoping that they immediately looked at that and go, Oh my, this is Fred's and... Bartholomew's or whatever. They know what happened immediately. They know who these are. And Samson returns to his father's house. They don't attack him. He kills 30 priests. That's what it says. I want you to think about that a second. Are these guys just wandering around one by one? Put them in a group. He's got to take all 30 of them on. They're ruling class. Do they have a guard system? What's it take to kill these 30 guys 
and strip them of their clothes. And he comes back and throws that in front of these guys. Now they know something about Samson, don't they? Samson returns to his father's house. The leader of the 30 men has given Samson's bride. Is this the ending anyone could have predicted? I think not. Again, why was Samson allowed to leave? Well, they figured out that nobody's going to stop this guy from leaving. We have a problem, Houston. We have a lot of problems. Why did the father of the, of the wife, why did the father of the bride give her to the very man that would have burned her as a pagan offering? Repeat the question. Seems like an odd thing to do. Consider the problem these 30 guys have got now. They are sent to spy. Their assignment is to be watchful. New guy, new judge. Don't know much about it. Thinks he's a judge. Doesn't look like a judge. Looks like Wally Cox. But he's a judge. So we've got to watch him. He's somebody to be feared, we think. Though at this time, again, his full capabilities have not been made manifest. And Samson begins his judgeship. Samson initiates his office publicly at this wedding. Samson reveals his power at a you can do this wedding. Make the obvious comparison, John 2. Also be aware that wine is involved with John 2 as it is at Judges 14. Anyway, place yourself into the dilemma, the predicament of the 30 companions. Now they own, they have in their possession the blood-soaked priest garments of 30 million Ruling class, high ranking from the city of Ashkelon men. Who's coming for those blood-soaked things? You just had a mass murder of the entire Alaska State Senate, if you want to think of it that way. After you got through the state troopers and maybe the Air National Guard by yourself. Who, and you handed all their suits, if you want, and their gavels and their little, little lapel pins and the stripes on their whatever. Anything that identified them as such, and you gave them to 30 guys. Here, put them on. They happen to be soaked in blood. So they own that. Now, how are they going to explain that? What are they going to say? This one guy killed these guys? How now, why now, did the one sent to trap Samson end up in this position? Whose plan was this? Who's going to come forward to take responsibility of a process that ends with 30 dead theocratic officials? And of one of the five ruling cities, I've always thought about this, did he kill the ruler of that city? He could have. How do, how do the 30 companions now, these little soldiers, I'm thinking privates and corporals, one corporal, a bunch of privates, how do they extricate themselves from this position? What's going to be their fate? If they come forward to accuse Samson, they are executed for incompetence or complicity. Do you see that? Because how did Samson do this to you? Well, we went for this wager idea. Why did you let him go? Well, he's going to go get us some garments. Well, why didn't you try to take him after he came back with 30 bloody garments? Are you kidding? If they don't implicate Samson, they're executed for murder. They have the clothing. So they're the ones that did it. they got a real problem. Samson knows it. He knew it from the first minute he saw him. 
not deceived. Strong case can be made that they never solved the riddle. Samson merely allowed them to believe they did. How smart is this guy? Finally, for today, the favorite words at Cliffside Community Chapel. The father of the bride wife and the leader of the 30 companions enter into an agreement. They have to. You see that? They have to enter into agreement. The one who would burn the bride to death would be given the bride. How's she feeling about that? On the basis that Samson thoroughly only hated her. That's the reasoning. How does this resolve their immediate problem with that force coming for them from Ascalon? Add to this the attempt to replace the wife of Samson with the younger daughter. Is she not better? That's what he says. Samson answers that question. I'm going to kill a lot of people because you have offered me the bride, the younger bride. Is she not better? The answer is clearly no. She's not better. Why not? Samson only wants the first Gentile bride. He doesn't want a replacement bride. Don't offer him a replacement bride. If you do, he's going to kill people. He said, I will be blameless. He answers the question, is she not better, by burning the wheat harvest. Next week, we will endeavor to persevere through Samson. We're at least halfway done. It's pretty cool, huh? I think that's great. Of course, I'm kind of weird.